Welcome to the Words Matter Library, brought to you by Audible. Today I want to talk to you about one of the most important books in my life. It's a book that has shaped the way I think about the world and who I am as a professional and as a person. Profiles and Courage by John F. Kennedy. And thanks to our friends at Audible, a version of this amazing title is now available, narrated by Caroline Kennedy and her late brother, John F. Kennedy Jr. Profiles and Courage is the 1957 Pulitzer Prize-winning collection of short biographies describing acts of bravery and integrity by eight United States senators. The book profiles senators who defied the opinions of their party and their constituents to do what they felt was right, and as a result, suffered severe criticism and significant losses. By way of background, I grew up in suburban New York City in the 1970s and 80s. My parents taught me the importance of history and the value of public service. Politics in our house was seen as a noble profession. From a very early age, President Kennedy loomed large in my world. One of my earliest memories was as a five-year-old, when my maternal grandfather gave me a record of President Kennedy's greatest speeches. Courage was always the hallmark of the Kennedy legacy. Accepting the Democratic nomination for president in Los Angeles in 1960, then-Senator John F. Kennedy spoke to the delegates about the new frontier. It would be easier to shrink from that new frontier to look to the safe mediocrity of the past, to be lulled by good intentions and high rhetoric, and those who prefer that course should not vote for me or the Democratic Party. But I believe that the times require imagination and courage and perseverance. I'm asking each of you to be pioneers towards that new frontier. My call is to the young in heart regardless of age, to the stout in spirit, regardless of party, to all who respond to the scriptural call, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For courage, not complacency, is our need today. Leadership, not salesmanship. Let's listen to a little of Caroline Kennedy's heartfelt introduction to her father's award-winning book. My father taught us all that we are never too old or too young for public service. President Kennedy's inaugural challenge, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, summed up his own life and career and rings as true today as it did 40 years ago. To me, his commanding legacy lives in the thousands of Americans he inspired to get involved in their communities, schools, neighborhoods, the Civil Rights Movement, and the Peace Corps. Our country was transformed by the energy and dedication of a generation. Now it is up to us to redefine that commitment for our own time. Because my father studied history and understood the complexity of courage, he understood its simple power as well. He believed that telling the stories of those who act on principle regardless of the cost can help inspire future generations to follow their example. Our nation needs to recognize leadership, to respect it, and to require it of our leaders. Let's listen to John F. Kennedy, Jr. These are stories about that most admirable of human virtues, courage. Grace under pressure, Ernest Hemingway defined it. And these are stories of the pressures experienced by eight United States senators and the grace with which they endured them, the risks to their careers, the unpopularity of their courses, the defamation of their characters, and sometimes, but sadly only sometimes, 
the vindication of their reputations and their principles. Today, the challenge of political courage looms larger than ever before, for our everyday life is becoming so saturated with the tremendous powers of mass communication that any unpopular or unorthodox course arouses a storm of protests, such as John Quincy Adams under attack in 1807 could never have envisioned. Some of these men, whose stories follow, were right in their beliefs. Others, perhaps, were not. Some were ultimately vindicated by a return to popularity. Many were not. Some showed courage throughout the whole of their political lives. Others sailed with the wind until the decisive moment when their conscience and events propel them into the center of the storm. Some were courageous in their unyielding devotion to absolute principles. Others were damned for advocating compromise. Whatever their differences, the American politicians whose stories are here retold shared that one heroic quality, courage. The study begins with a chapter on John Quincy Adams of Massachusetts. The young senator from Massachusetts stirred restlessly in his chair as the debate droned on. The half-filled Senate chamber fairly echoed with the shouting of his Massachusetts colleague, Senator Pickering, who was denouncing President Jefferson's trade embargo of 1807 for what seemed the 100th time. Sorting the mail from Massachusetts, which lay in disarray on his desk, John Quincy Adams found his eye caught by an envelope with no return address. Inside was a single sheet of fine linen paper, and the senator grimly read its anonymous message a second time before crumpling letter and envelope into the basket by his desk. Lucifer, son of the morning, how thou hast fallen! We hope not irrevocably. O oh, Adams, remember who thou art! Return to Massachusetts, return to thy country, assist not in its destruction, consider the consequences, awake, arouse in time. A Federalist. A Federalist? Adams mused bitterly over the word. Was he not the son of the last Federalist president? Had he not served Federalist administrations in the diplomatic service abroad? Had he not been elected as a Federalist to the Massachusetts legislature and then to the United States Senate? Now, simply because he had placed national interest before party and section, the Federalists had deserted him. Yes, he thought, I did not desert them, as they charge. It is they who have deserted me. The book goes on to talk about one of the true giants of the Senate, Daniel Webster. The blizzardy night of January 21st, 1850, was no night in Washington for an ailing old man to be out. But wheezing and coughing fitfully, Henry Clay made his way through the snowdrifts to the home of Daniel Webster. He had a plan, a plan to save the Union, and he knew he must have the support of the North's most renowned orator and statesman. He knew that he had no time to lose, for that very afternoon, President Taylor, in a message to Congress asking California's admission as a free state, had only thrown fuel on the raging fire that threatened to consume the Union. But Henry Clay had a plan for another great compromise to preserve the nation. For an hour, he outlined its contents to Daniel Webster in the warmth of the latter's comfortable home, and together they talked of saving the Union. Few meetings in American history have ever been so productive or so ironic in their consequences. For the Compromise of 1850 added to Henry Clay's garlands as the great pacificator. But Daniel Webster's support, which ensured its success, resulted in his political crucifixion, and, for half a century or more, his historical condemnation. One of my favorite chapters is about that great Texan, Sam Houston. 
The first rays of dawn were streaking into the ill-lit Senate chamber of 1854 as one final speaker rose to seek recognition. Weary, haggard, and unshaven senators, slumped despondently in their chairs after the rigors of an all-night session, uttered, Vote! Vote! in the hopes of discouraging any further oratory on a bill already certain of passage. But Senator Sam Houston of Texas, the hero of San Jacinto, was not so easily discouraged by overwhelming odds. The bill on which bitter and exhausting debate now closed was known as the Kansas-Nebraska Bill, the new unity device of the Democratic Party and the latest concession to the South. It repealed the Missouri Compromise of 1820 and reopened the slavery extension issue, thought settled in the Compromise of 1850, by permitting the residents of that vast territory from Iowa to the Rockies to decide the slavery question for themselves on the assumption that the northern part of the territory would be free and the southern part slave. For Democrats and Southerners, this bill had become must legislation. Sam Houston was a Democrat of long standing, and Sam Houston was a Southerner by birth, residence, loyalty, and philosophy. But Sam Houston was also Sam Houston, one of the most independent, unique, popular, forceful, and dramatic individuals ever to enter the Senate chamber. The first senator from Texas, his name had long before been a household word as commander-in-chief of those straggling and undermanned Texas volunteers who routed the entire Mexican army at San Jacinto, captured its general, and established the independence of Texas. He had been acclaimed as the first president of the independent Republic of Texas, a member of her Congress, and president again before the admission of Texas into the Union as a state. He was no easy mark at the age of 64, and neither sectional nor party ties were enough to seal his lips. And finally, there's a moving profile of Senator Robert Taft, whose integrity cost him the presidency. Senator Robert A. Taft of Ohio was never president of the United States. Therein lies his personal tragedy, and therein lies his national greatness. For the presidency was a goal that Bob Taft pursued throughout his career in the Senate, an ambition that this son of a former president always dreamed of realizing. As the leading exponent of the Republican philosophy for more than a decade, Mr. Republican was bitterly disappointed by his failure on three different occasions even to receive the nomination. But Robert A. Taft was also a man who stuck fast to the basic principles in which he believed. And when those fundamental principles were at issue, not even the lure of the White House or the possibilities of injuring his candidacy could deter him from speaking out. Like many of the episodes in President Kennedy's book, we face turbulent and trying times in this country. Now more than ever, we need to find modern-day examples of profiles and courage. And here is a special offer for our listeners. Go to audible.com slash words matter and start a 30-day free trial, and you can get Profiles and Courage by John F. Kennedy for free. That's audible.com slash words matter or text words matter to 500-500. Audible, because words matter. And finally, we want to thank our friends and partners at the Hangar Studios. 
Since we launched back in August, Words Matter has been recorded and produced by Jennifer Ho, Chad Dugatz, and the entire Hanger Studios team. They are total pros. The Hanger Studios will help you find your voice, find your audience, and deliver that top-notch audio quality needed for success in the podcast world. If you have a podcast you're trying to get off the ground, go to www.thehangerstudios.com and book a session. Thanks to Jennifer, Chad, and the entire team. We've been able to get our podcast off the ground with people we love working with. That's www.thehangerstudios.com. The Hanger Studios. Speak freely.